0: I'm Donna, and I'm Carrie,
1: and we are paranormal chicks. Sinister Sightings 187. I feel like you were talking in slow mo when you said, uh, "and whatever, whatever you say in the intro." <laughs> we are a paranormal chicks.
0: <laughs> I'll ramp it up for you.
1: <laughs> well, y'all know how we do it on Sinister Sightings. We're jumping right in. Hey ladies, I found your podcast a couple weeks ago looking for a paranormal show I like that will keep me awake at work. I listen to you both almost every day for a whole day, at least eight hours. It's a lot, but I get hooked on the sinister sightings and the different way Carrie tells her true crime stories, and the banter between you both cracks me up, which ends up getting me stared at by my co-workers. Now on to the stories. Story number one. I live in Indiana, which has multiple haunted places to visit. There's an old abandoned train tunnel called Tunnelton Tunnel. Wow. Very cleverly named. (laughs) This tunnel has a rumor. If you walk the tracks in the complete dark, you may hear one of two things. Or, well, both. People talking or a train coming. My group of friends and I all pile into my car and go almost every weekend. Always around 12 to 2 a.m. There was maybe four or five of us one day and we decided, okay, let's try and make it all the way through without a light this time. About halfway through, we heard it. Something or someone in the distance talking. Nothing we could figure out. So we turned on our phones, not the flashlight because it was one of those slide up phones, and booked it out of the tunnel. We only ever made it all the way through in the dark once. Story two, same place. This time though, it was only my cousin and I. We were heading there a few days after a huge storm, thinking the flooding was gone. Boy, were we wrong. Now, we get to this tunnel, and it's a lot of windy back roads and a one-lane bridge you had to go under. On our way there in the middle of the night, my cousin and I felt weird. He's a Wiccan, and I'm just aware and sensitive of a lot of things. All of a sudden, getting closer to this bridge, which, by the way, has super short turns before and after it, we see smoke slash fog and something like a reflection. Um, and this might just because we had done some illegal substances. Anyway, we decided to slow down. We were getting very on edge. And as we rounded the bend, the road was gone. And in its place, water, a fucking goat, and a chicken.
0: What?
1: He was the one driving while I was DJing. And we looked at each other like, what the fuck? Looked back at the goat. And I said, a fucking Goat and yelled, get us the fuck out of here. He reversed my cart so fast I had whiplash. Story three, date night. This was while I was living with my dad. His house is a bit haunted. We would hear noises every so often, but would just ignore it. This house had two living rooms, one by the front door and one by the back door and garage. The garage was transformed into a bedroom before we moved into the house. Anyway, to the story. I had a current boyfriend over at the time. We were in the back living room watching Insidious. During the movie, we heard a couple of bangs from that bedroom. He asked what it was, so I said it was an old lady ghost. Just ignore it. It happened once more, and well, he didn't ignore it. This dumbass knocked back. She did not like that one bit and banged harder. Freaked us both out. We turned off the movie and left. And before anyone asks, my dad was out of town, and we were alone. I have more stories I will send in about that old lady and how my dad finally started to believe in ghosts. And one about my niece having a ghost who would give her night terrors. And a Ouija board and my mom's house being haunted. I would say I'm sorry it's so long, but I know y'all love the stories. Kayla Kay.
0: Yeah, we need all those other stories too.
1: I'm assuming your parents didn't live together, so like you could not get away from the hauntedness. So
0: true, so true. And I don't think I can make it once without a flashlight of some sort doing that whole challenge. No, no, no.
1: Fuck no. I would sprain my ankle so fast. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Hopefully that was an ex-boyfriend taunting a fucking ghost.
0: Yeah, if you say it's an old lady ghost, just ignore it. I'm going to ignore it. Now, if you didn't know what was going on, I'd go to check it out. But yeah, if someone who lives there says, hey, ignore it, that's what I'm going to do. Right. You clearly know what's going on, so uh, I'm going to listen to you. Okay, the next one. Hello, all. You know the drill. You guys are truly amazing, and listening to your podcast whenever I can throughout the day is the best. Now, on to my great Opa. My Oma, Oma and Opa, is grandma and grandpa in Dutch. I really hope I said that correctly. My Oma was born in Leewarden, Netherlands. Northern Netherlands, we always called Holland growing up. She was born in 1941 at the beginning of World War II. She lived in the Netherlands with her mom, dad, and two sisters until she was 14. She was able to move to the United States and ended up in our small town of Eckhart, Indiana. She met my Opa in this small town. After years of dating on and off, they found their way back to each other, got married, and started this amazing family I am so thankful for. Now, on to my great Opa, who was a badass. The Nazis had claimed that no one could be named after the royal family. My great Opa and great Oma decided that naming my Oma after the royal family was a great idea. They named her Wilhelmina for the queen, and her middle names were Juliana, the queen's daughter, Irene, the queen's granddaughter, Beatrix, Queen's granddaughter. Wait, she got three middle names? She had a lot to learn when spelling her name then. Like legit. <laughs> okay. Although my Oma was very young, she vividly remembers the Nazis invading their town. She said it was truly the most terrifying thing she has ever experienced. The Nazi soldiers came through her small town and went house to house, taking all of the men. They put them on trains to go to the work camps, which people never came back from. My great Opa and one other badass of Leewarden somehow escaped the train. They trudged through the wilderness, hiding from the Nazis, making their way back to Leewarden. It took two weeks, I believe my Oma said. Great Opa came back to the house in the middle of the night. That night, the family went to work and carved out a hole in the upstairs floor to hide my great opa when the Nazis would invade the house doing random checks. The day after my great opa got back, he dressed as a woman, rode his bike across town to his mother's house to let her know that he was okay. My family successfully hid my great opa until the war was officially over. Wow. In 2018, my family got to go back to my Oma's hometown for a family vacation, and we went by the house she lived in. She knocked on the door, and the current owners allowed all of us. At the time, we were a family of 12. Now there are more of us as marriages have occurred. But they allowed us to walk through the house as Oma told us about how the house used to be and told us memories that she had. We got to go upstairs, and she showed us where the hole was. The current owners had told my Oma that they were told about the hole, but never knew why the hole was there. They loved hearing about Oma's childhood in the house just as much as we did. I'm grateful my great Opa was a badass because I wouldn't be here today. Thanks for reading this, whether to yourselves or on the podcast. You guys are truly amazing. Oh, and my Oma and Opa are on my mom's side of the family. P.S. Classic grandma names for you. My great grandma on my dad's side was one of five sisters. Her name was Lillian. Her sister's names were Lucille, Phyllis, Helen, and Eleanor. I feel like we don't have names like this anymore. Best, Jamie. I love that story so much. Yes, that's amazing. And yeah, I bet the current owners love that just as much as y'all because it gives them knowledge and history of that home. I feel like that would make me more proud of the house. You know? Yeah. I can't even imagine what your family went through during that time.
1: I just don't understand where people find the strength to, for that. Like, I don't either. How do you find the strength to be like, I'm going to eject myself from this fucking train and get out of this terrible situation. Like, I mean, you do what you have to do when you're in that survival yeah. mode. But it's like, that's so amazing. Yes. Okay, the next one. Hi, Donna and Carrie. My name is Avery, and I'm a new fan of y'all's. I just first want to say I love y'all's podcast, and thank you for keeping it going. I found y'all's podcast last year and wanted to start from the very beginning, and I'm already at podcast number 12. I work at a museum, and although we aren't allowed to have headphones in, I'm constantly listening to you guys at work, in the car, and even while I get ready in the mornings. I have also recommend y'all's podcast to co-workers who love you guys just as much as I do, and even my parents. Just last night, we were working on a puzzle together while listening to y'all. Now, I wanted to submit my own Sinister Sightings and also recommend a possible story you may be interested in and researching, Carrie. My Sinister Sightings was actually the shadow man with the hat and long trench coat, or the neighborhood watchman. I was around 12 or 13 years old, and my bed was in the left-hand corner of the room, right next to my window. For context, my bed was positioned horizontally against the wall, so if I turned to my left side, my face would be looking outside the window, and if I turned on my right side, my face would be facing the door. Now, how our house was set up at the time was my door was at the end of the hallway, so if my door was open, I could look down the hallway and see all the way to the kitchen. And if you stepped outside of my room, my mother and younger brother's rooms would be to the right side and my older brother's room would be straight ahead on the left. Growing up, I was deeply afraid of the dark and could not sleep with my door closed. I especially liked it being open since my mother's room was literally four steps to the right if I really needed to get to her. One night I was sleeping and even now I generally wake up quite frequently to readjust my sleeping position, but I usually fall back asleep right away afterwards. That night I had woken up and I remember I was facing the window and wanted to turn around and face the door. So I did just that. But when I turned around, I saw this tall man standing in my doorway. His head almost reached the top of my doorframe and I could only make out his silhouette. He had broad shoulders with the outline of a long coat and I could make out the rim of his hat. I remember I just stared. I stared and stared at him to see if I was really making out something or if I was just imagining it. But the more I stared, the more I realized his outline wasn't blending in with the darkness. And honestly, there wasn't anything that maybe just looked like a person standing there since my room was at the end of the hallway, which looked at the kitchen. He was too tall and close for me to be staring at the kitchen chair and imagining it was something it wasn't. Realizing I definitely didn't have the balls to run through him to get to my mom's room, I decided to cover my head with my blanket and force myself to fall asleep. The next morning, I didn't say anything because I had survived and figured it was really my imagination. Until that following night, I saw him again. It wasn't like I turned the lights off and there he was. No, it was after I had fallen asleep and woken up and saw him there. I did the same thing of covering my head and forcing myself to fall asleep. After that night, I slept in my mom's for about three nights. And on the third day, we went to my grandma's and my mom told her about the man I saw. Now, with my grandma being very Catholic, she automatically assumed it was a guardian angel, but I was like, bullshit, grandma. Before we left, my mom said I needed to sleep in my own room that night, and I started hysterically crying and begged to stay with my grandma, but she wouldn't let me. Instead, my grandma sent me home with holy water, and my mom blessed my room that night and basically told all the spirits to fuck off. I never did see him again after that, but even now at 22 years old, whenever I wake up in the middle of the night, I have to look around to make sure the shadow man hasn't decided to pay another visit. Sorry this email was so long, but I hope y'all enjoy my sinister sightings. Hope to hear from y'all. Avery.
0: Okay, at first I was like, your mom did not let you sleep at your grandma's house? How rude. But then it was like, oh, but she was taking care of business mm-hmm. when y'all got back.
1: Well, but also, if she hadn't, though... I mean, if you look at it from the mom's perspective, I mean, because, you know, parents never believe their kids that they saw something. Mm -hmm. So, the mom's like, she's just having bad dreams. Like, she has to learn to deal with it and sleep in her own room. Like, she can't just sleep with her mom forever, you know?
0: Yeah. If my mom was still around, I'd sleep with her forever.
1: (laughs) Well, you have a level of codependency (laughs) with your mother that uh, most
0: people don't. So, (laughs) yeah, shadow people... Like the hat man and stuff. Mm-mm. No. Like we've always said, and we'll say it again, don't want to see him. Because I think I really would be like you, but more because I'm more dramatic. Uh, you even said dramatic dramatically. <laughs> you know what? Because you've been saying it that way. What? Yes. I think I've taken it out for bloopers, but you're like, you're so dramatic.
1: I can't argue with that because I don't remember what I said three <laughs> minutes ago.
0: Oh, gosh. I think you've only really said it once, but, you know, to me it was twice because I heard it live and then I heard it back when I was editing. But anyway, I really would be more, like, hyper-focused and stuff. Uh Uh-uh. Nope. Don't want it. Maybe that's why I haven't seen them because they're like, no, this bitch would be way too weird if I I showed myself to her. I'll never get rid of her. (laughs) So single, a ghost don't want to haunt me.
1: <laughs> Look, don't put that out in the universe because you're going to get one and you're going to be like, damn it.
0: No, I'd be like, oh, someone chose me. Okay. The next story The Two Time Dream. Hello, Donna, Carrie, Marboo, and Jax, and all of the beautiful creepsters listening. George B from Mississippi here again. I thought I'd tell you about a dream I've had twice now that has left me feeling a little strange. The first time I had it, I awoke without having any action in it. I was just a passive observer. The second time, I did take some action, but again awoke before seeing what consequences that action had. Anyway, let me set the scene. The dreams were set in the kitchen of the house I grew up in that we've not even owned for about 25 years. My dad passed away 26 years ago in October. Maybe around the time this will be read. Well, we're a little late. The house's back door was in the kitchen, and shortly after we had bought the house, my dad built a woodshed onto it. So the back door went into the woodshed, and then you'd go out the outside door of the shed to get outside. The woodshed was always dark and spooky. It had a single small window in one wall. So even on sunny days, if the door was shut, it was still very dark in there. Shadows lived in that shed. We stored firewood in there, hence the name, plus several other things. The shed was also home to the outdoor cats we had. It smelled dank and musty, much like a basement. In the first stream, I had walked into the kitchen to find my father hiding behind the open wooden door. When I looked from him to the doorway, I saw that the screen door was open and a strange looking man wearing an overcoat and a large hat with a wide brim was standing there holding open the screen door. He had a full beard that was long and unkempt. And between that and his large hat hiding most of his face, I couldn't make out any facial features. I got a feeling of menace from him, But then I woke up and was just left wondering what the heck this dream was about. That was probably two or three weeks ago at the time of this writing, February 15th, 2022. Last night, I again had the dream. I once more walked into the kitchen, saw my dad hiding behind the door again, and the same man was standing just outside the doorway, once again holding open the screen door. Again, there is that sense of menace from him, but this time I sprang into action. I could see my dad was scared of this fella, so I stepped over to the doorway, took the man's arm with my right hand and said, you need to leave. He seemed startled by my actions, like he completely wasn't expecting that. And honestly, neither was I. It took me by surprise as much as it did him. Anyway, I then escorted him towards the shed's outer door. And that's when I woke up again. I've been puzzling over what this dream means, if anything, and also wondering if I'm going to have a third installment of the dream sometime in the next few weeks. I've always believed that house to be haunted anyway. The first story I ever sent in was set in that house. The poltergeist activities that haunted me as a young teen, not to mention the woman who'd always wanted to see the inside of the house after it was built, but died before she could, having her body laid out in the living room of the house, if anyone remembers that. So these dreams just make me wonder if something is going on at that house that I've not set foot into in 25 years. I'm not entirely sure I want to know. Anyway, thanks for reading my story, and if anyone has any insights on these dreams, I'd like to hear them. If there is a third dream, I'll let y'all know. Stay safe and sane creep it real, and don't get scared, George B. We had kind of a place like that at my dad's old house because we used it as a laundry room, but you'd have to go down from our living room into that room, and then the outside door was like on the outside of that, and I hated that room too. Also, I was about to say, oh shit, we have the hat man again, but yours had a long beard, and I don't feel like that's an attribute of a hat man. I hate reoccurring dreams
1: because it's like, what's the point? Like, what is making you dream that? Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, it was always a dream with Freddy Krueger and Hannibal Lecter. Damn. Well, because I watched those movies far too young, and I had this really big duck stuffed animal, and um, in my dream the duck would chase me. <laughs> Okay, the next one. I just started your podcast and wow, I was looking up paranormal podcast and found you. Lucky me. Anywho, let me tell you, please don't use my name. So be patient with me. This is so crazy. I have many siblings. I'm the youngest daughter of all and I have one full sibling, which is my younger brother. My mother has a son from a previous relationship and my father's been married before. So I have two half brothers and two half older sisters. I hope that makes sense. When we were younger, my parents are still married, and we lived in an apartment with my older sister, let's call her Brenda, and my older brother, Bobby and Pete, and my little brother, Ben. So to recap, there's my mom and dad, Brenda, 15 years old, Bobby, 13, Peter, 12, I'm five, and a little brother, Ben, three. Whew. okay, let's get to the crazy part. I don't remember much about the apartment because I was young, but I remember it being so cold. It was on the second floor, so looking back on it, I thought he rises, question mark? Anyway, I'm getting all of the information from my family, because they went through the crazy time. My mom, being of Hispanic descent, is and always has been a devout Catholic. And my dad's from the South, and he's Baptist. This isn't just me throwing it out there, but you will see why it's important. Okay, so my two older siblings' mom passed away, and my mom raised Brenda and Bobby alongside her son Pete and, of course, me and Ben. They were so much older than us, and they were thick as thieves. But a lot of strange things were going on in this apartment. My older sister had her own room, and her bed would shake, like literally shake in the middle of the night, terrifying her. My brother Ben used to have seizures, and my other brother used to have sleep paralysis. On multiple occasions, he used to say that he felt like someone was sitting on his chest, and he couldn't move or scream. I thought my sister was so sweet by letting me sleep with her, but it turns out she was terrified. I didn't have any idea anything was going on. Me and Ben were clueless. Here we are, big boppity-booing and all this spooky shit's going on around us. All of these occurrences were like a gradual thing, like it was over time. I heard it was over a few years and it wouldn't happen like in the movie Poltergeist. Not like, bam, bam. No, then it got bad where my sister was like terrified and didn't want to be there at all. Well, my mom being Hispanic, and I don't know about all Hispanics, but she believes in horoscopes and psychics. She believes in curses and cleansing. My dad, being who he is, thinks it's sorcery, black magic, and is not having any of it. Well, my mom got worried. She's like, this place is haunted, or it's something more evil because it's torturing my siblings. She was fed up, and while my dad was at work, she called on a lady. I can't remember what you call it in English, but this lady came to our house and did prayers and blessings and cleansed the apartment. It worked. My sister slept peacefully and so did Pete. My brother Bobby didn't suffer seizures anymore and my brother Pete hasn't had any sleep paralysis ever again. I guess this is how my interest in the paranormal began. I grew up listening to their wild stories and I was hooked. I have a few of my own, which I will tell at another time. It's crazy to think what the hell happened and why. And what's even more crazy is if my mom listened to my dad and didn't call the lady, then what could have happened? But my mom never listened to my dad. She's so stubborn. Well, thanks for listening to me. I know everyone keeps saying, sorry, it's too long, but I'm not. I wish I could give you more details. But again, this is secondhand info and the shit happened over 35 years ago. And I don't want to go up to my sister and be like, so what happened that traumatized you as a child again? You know what I mean. I guess that's why she doesn't do anything spooky, paranormal, or anything else. My brothers are cool with it. Well, ladies, I have to go. Thanks for listening to me and let me know if you want to hear about me and my little brother's experience. I guess it didn't pass us up after all. Keep it creepy, ladies, and just get scared.
0: Well, I'm glad your mama didn't listen to your dad. Like, for real, though, really, what would have happened, I wonder? Mm, I don't want to even think about it. Now, I'm curious to know if what you and your younger brother, Ben, experienced was in that same house or a different house. You know we want to know. Send Mm, it in. Send that in, please. Okay, the next one. Hey, love the podcast. It is all I listen to when I'm working alone at night at my cleaning job. My name is Emma, and I'm originally from the UK, but moved to the U.S. about three years ago. This story is from when I was in the UK and about my mom, so here's a little bit of background about what happened. My mom died suddenly from a blood clot when I was 19. I'm 32 now. It is the hardest thing I've ever gone through. I never got to say goodbye to her and have never felt that she's around me in spirit. I'm not very open to spiritual things, so I wasn't surprised that I didn't feel or see her. She died in November, and it didn't even feel real. How can she just be gone? Christmas was really hard, and I just felt numb for a long time. Well, Mother's Day is in March in the UK, so it came up really quickly. I didn't even want to acknowledge that day, but I guess I couldn't stop Mother's Day from happening just because I didn't want to deal with it. I worked in retail at the time and had to work on Mother's Day, so I just had to get through it, I guess. So when I went to bed that night, I had the first dream about my mom since she died. In my dream, I was at my aunt's house and was looking into the mirror she has above her fireplace. I could see my mom standing on the steps at the bottom of the staircase that was in the hallway behind me. She was just standing there smiling at me on the stair railing. She walked down the last few stairs and passed the door that led into the living room where I was standing and down the hallway into the kitchen. I walked out into the hallway and shouted for my brother to come downstairs. We both ran into the kitchen and up to my mom where she was standing at the far end facing us. It was a small kitchen, so just like five steps in. We both started asking her loads of questions. I don't remember what exactly, but probably stuff like, are you okay? She was answering all of our questions. She looked happy and healthy like before the day she went to the hospital and died. I asked her what it was like to die. I wish I could remember what she said, but I couldn't remember any of her answers after I woke up. After she told us what it's like to die and what happened to her, she told me and my brother everything was going to be okay. I woke up after that and was distraught. I couldn't stop crying, and worst of all, I had to go to work and pretend to be okay. I got to work and was uncontrollably crying, so they sent me home because I was a mess. I don't know if it was my brain trying to find some kind of closure, or maybe my mom actually came to see me in my dream. Either way, I'm glad I saw her and since then I dream of her regularly but weirdly never remember her voice. It's been about 13 years since she died but little things still make me think of her. I'm glad I found your podcast and I'm sure my mom would have been a huge fan too because she loved all things ghostly and true crimey. Thanks for reading my story and sorry it's a bit depressing completely 100% get that because it was completely different when my dad died than when my mom died because you know we didn't get to say goodbye we didn't say like leading up to it it wasn't like oh she's about to die like it was my, my dad he was you know health-wise worse so I'm very sorry about that but I think it was actually her because now you're dreaming of her more often than you were. Maybe you just weren't at that like headspace to have seen her or received her. I mean, not like that you didn't get sent home because you were a mess, but you know what I mean? Like, I think she waited until you were ready or until you really needed her.
1: Well, and I've always heard, I don't know how true this is, I've said this before and I feel like somebody's answering me and I still don't know, but anyway that, like, spirits, you should wait, like, a year after they die before you go to a medium or whatever. Remember, yeah. So, like, I wonder if she came back when she was, like, strong enough to answer the questions and, you know. Yeah.
0: But they say that spirit gives us what we need when we need it, so. My mom used to leave me all the voicemail. And I'll probably tear up saying this, but I wish I would have kept more of them. But, you know, like I said, I toss shit out, and I have one voicemail – from her and it's just it just says like, hey and I can hear my sister Susan in the background saying, Leave her a voicemail, you know, and that was it. That's all I have of her. And that's how I remember her voice. But like sometimes I can hear her laughter. You know, like if I do something or even like you've been like, Oh my God, that was my mama's laugh. That's what that sounded like. And I have a video of her feeding Marbu spaghetti and like rubbing Marbu, but that's all I have. So I completely understand you saying like, you don't remember her voice.
1: That is one thing I will say that I learned with my dad is like, I turned my live photos back on, on my phone because there were so many little pictures of him that were lives that you could hear him like laugh or, you oh. know, like you could like see a little, just a little video of him, you know, Yeah. but I would say that is take, Lots, lots, lots more videos. Everybody. Yes. Okay, the next one. Hey, ladies. I'm the psycho that messaged Carrie directly on the Book of Face about this guy. His name is Robin Rocky Myers. He's a 60-year-old black male on Alabama death row. The issue with this case is the whole fucking thing. Mr. Myers was charged with the murder of Ludie Mae Tucker in Decatur, Alabama in 1991. He lived across the street from her and would frequently go over to her house to borrow ice, so they were familiar with each other. They would even wave to each other from across the street when outside. On the night of October 14, 1991, Ludie May's cousin, Mamie Dutton, was spending the night with her. After the two women had gone to bed, Miss Dutton heard a knock on the door and heard her cousin, Miss Tucker, speaking to a male through the window. The male was asking to use the phone as he had been in a car accident and, quote, was bleeding to death. Ludie May offered to dial the phone for the man and the man pushed his way into her home. Maybe Dutton heard her cousin say, my husband's in the other room. Miss Tucker had been married but was widowed. The man stabbed Ludie May then came into the bedroom where Dutton was staying and stabbed her in the side. A VCR was the only thing taken and the man then ran out of the house. Mamie Dutton was able to make it into the living room where Miss Tucker had propped up on the couch, already on the phone trying to speak with the 911 operator. Due to her injuries, Miss Tucker was having a hard time breathing, let alone talking. Yet, Ludie Mae Tucker and Mamie Dutton were able to give the description to the police and stated that the man was wearing a light-colored shirt with what appeared to be blood on it. He was a black man and was short and stocky. The police found fingerprints and a partial palm print inside of the home. There were also several sets of footprints found outside the home near the alleyway that ran down the east side of the home. These footprints were never photographed as evidence. There was a house up the road near to the victim's home that was run as a shot house. People would buy or bring items to trade for alcohol and drugs. Two men known to frequent the shot house known as Butch and Roadrunner later spoke to police and gave statements that on the night of the murder, an individual named Anthony Coolbreeze Ballantyne came to the shot house and traded a VCR for drugs. An acquaintance of Coolbreeze came forward to the police to collect the reward money claiming he had information on the murder. He claimed he was near the home of Miss Tucker on the night of the murder and saw an individual named Rocky Myers running from the home. This then led to Butch and the Roadrunner changing their statements made to police, claiming they had lied, and that it was actually Rocky who traded the VCR for crack that night. Police went to speak with Rocky Myers. Rocky Myers was on probation for a crime, and police asked him to take a drug test. He failed this drug test, and as a violation of his probation, he was arrested. While in custody, police interrogated Mr. Myers regarding the murder of Ms. Tucker. Mr. Myers originally said he did not go to the shot house, then later changed the story that he found the VCR in the alley beside the shot house and traded this for drugs. So to be clear, he did sell the VCR for drugs. Just because you use drugs doesn't make you a murderer. I have been up to Decatur and have actually met Rocky's son and he showed me around this alley between their old house and the shot house. You could definitely hide shit back there. At this point, I would like to point out again that Mr. Myers and his family lived across the street from Miss Tucker. She knew who he was and he knew who she was. In fact, they knew each other to the point that Mr. Myers would go across the street to Ms. Tucker's house and borrow or buy ice from her. As I mentioned, Ms. Dutton had come to visit her cousin, Ms. Tucker, and earlier that day as they were leaving the home to go to Huntsville to eat, Ms. Tucker pointed out Rocky to her cousin Mamie and said, that's my neighbor Rocky. They both waved and went on their way. I explained this because Tucker was struggling to breathe. Instead of describing the man, the police were brought the VCR sold that night by the brother of the woman who owned the house. They never obtained a search warrant and searched the shot house themselves. There were several witnesses at the shot house that saw Mr. Myers and stated he was wearing a dark colored shirt. Mr. Myers' appeal attorney, Mr. Schwartz, offered to take this case pro bono, just decided he was going to wake up one day and no longer represent Mr. Myers, but never bothered to advise anyone. The only reason Mr. Myers found out his lawyer was no longer representing him is because he received a letter from the state attorney stating the deadline for habeas corpus petition had passed and nothing had been filed, and that the state of Alabama would move forward with an execution date. His legal representation did not do his job. While Mr. Myers did have a criminal record at the time, none of his crimes were violent. There was a biased jury that openly used racial slurs in the courtroom. There was no physical evidence against him. The fingerprints and partial palm prints did not and do not belong to Mr. Myers. A jury member that was later interviewed stated that half of the jury made their mind up before they went into deliberations. It was also a holiday weekend and the jury was instructed to hurry and make a decision. There were 11 white jurors and one black. The jury asked several times for transcripts because there were so many players, and that was refused. His state-appointed lawyer was John Mays, which was a self-proclaimed Ku Klux Klan member and their attorney. If y'all are familiar with the hanging of Michael McDonald in Mobile, Alabama in the 80s, and his badass mama sued the Klan, yet John Mays was the Klan's lawyer in that case. He's an asshole. There were at least three witnesses that put Anthony Coolbreeze with the VCR, but then later changed their story. There was one guy who had an outstanding warrant for a stolen vehicle, and he admitted later that the Decatur police told him he would make the stolen car issue go away if he said it was Rocky instead of Anthony Douchebreeze. I apologize. I know this is everywhere. I work and go to school full time, so I try to sleep when I can. Also, to be clear, I want everyone to form their own opinion. Love y'all to death, and thank you so much. Let me know if you have any questions. I have transcripts, court documents, death certificates, and witness statements. Love, Tracy. That sounds like a damn movie.
0: It really does. That's so sad. But yeah, if it was supposed to be her neighbor, I feel like that's what she would have said. Yeah, you'd think. Or like, I know him, or at least something, especially to her cousin, like you said, like point across the street, something because she had already told her about Rocky. This literally could be a movie. Yeah, one that would get my blood
1: boiling. But the problem is, it's real life. Of course, we just got a snippet of the story. So, I mean, if he truly is innocent, I hope that justice is served.
0: Yes, me too. All right, y'all, the last one. Hello girls. When I was 20, I rented an old farmhouse that belonged to another family member. I'd been going to this house since I was a young child, so I knew that that house was haunted before moving in. One story I would like to share is the day I was home alone doing laundry. This was a two-story house, and to go upstairs, you had to open a door and go up a very narrow set of stairs that opened to a landing. There were two bedrooms up there, and a small door that I was told was the attic fan. Something about that little door made me uneasy. This house was built in the early 1900s. The upstairs was kept closed due to heating, and some of the windows were broken. As I was doing laundry, I had to walk past the bathroom door. Every time I would get near the door, I would hear something upstairs. I would wait in the hall for several minutes, afraid to go near the door, and would hear nothing, but every time I would go near the door, I would hear a noise. My in-laws came to pick me up to take me to their house. By the time they got there, I was freaking out. They just laughed at me and said I was imagining things. To this day, you cannot tell me that something wasn't up there. I had asked my aunt if anyone died there, and she said another relative who had built the house had died on the barn line. His name was MacMahon, so I named the ghost Mac for the most part. things that happened were non-threatening, but that day I felt the evil. The house has been torn down now, but I wish I could have gone back. I still dream about this place and haven't lived there for thirty-six years. I love listening to you guys, creep it real.
1: I could not move into a house I knew was haunted No ain't no way ain't no how, not happening not by myself, not with
0: somebody I mean. No, but I would be more willing to if I knew, like, okay, nothing's really happened. It's just like some noises. And I had someone else there with me. Mm-mm. But by myself, no, no, no. I could scare myself worse than any ghost could. Because here's the thing there's going to be times you're going to be by yourself. So, no thanks. That's true. I didn't think about that. Braver than me. You definitely are. And to have to do the laundry upstairs, I don't want to carry laundry up or down.
1: Mm -mm. If I was uh, rich and I had an upstairs, I would have one of those
0: shoots. shoots?
1: Yeah. That was me um, raising like straight uh, home alone style, (laughs) raising it up.
0: If I was rich, I would just have a laundry room upstairs and a laundry room downstairs. Oh yeah.
1: I've seen that in some houses on TikTok. Uh-huh. I mean, the news. <laughs> I'm going to start saying the news instead oh, yeah. of TikTok.
0: <laughs> it
1: makes me sound smarter. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was watching the news the other day. AK- <laughs> 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 oh, thank y'all so much for sending in these stories. They were awesome, just like y'all. If you want your story read on an episode, send it in to aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember,
0: creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared. scared.